Today we will conclude with um, the little foxes. And I want us to pay a bit of attention. We have dealt with six little foxes. The truth is, is that generally in Christendom, there's what is called the seven cardinal sins. Everybody says seven cardinal sins. And we've looked at pride, we've looked at envy, we've looked at anger, we looked at slothfulness, we've looked at greed, we've looked at lust, and today we are going to look at the last of all of them, last but not the least, is called gluttony. If you look at these list of the seven cardinal sins, there are two that I think should not really be sins. Don't go with me. Just let's go with what God says. Slothfulness. I don't see how. If somebody is going to be lazy, that's the person's business. But God says if you are lazy, you will go to hell. And I want us to take these things seriously. The other one that I think is not a sin is gluttony, which is somebody who just likes to eat and eat. And I don't know why if a person eats too much, that person should go to hell. But then, I'm not God, neither are you God. But then we've got to take God seriously. To be a glutton means you will go to hell. That is just that ability of eating and eating and eating. And there are some of us here, when we enter anywhere and we see somebody eating, we don't even ask, we just put our hands and begin to eat. You will die of poison one day. It's very bad. So we want to look at a little fox called gluttony. And um, the dictionary just says gluttony is the act or practice of eating and drinking to excess. It is one of the seven cardinal sins. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We'll read together verses 13 through to 19. This is Jesus speaking. If you have a good Bible, you see that all of that is in red. It is Jesus speaking. And he was generally chastising the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees and the scribes and the chief priests for saying certain things about him. Now let's read together. One, two, go. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if he will receive it, this is Elias which was to come. He that had ears to hear let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he had a devil. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous and a wine-biber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. So this is Jesus speaking. Let me just explain what we have read. Then we'll go into what we are talking about. He says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. That makes John the Baptist a very special person. And he says, If ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was to Come. Now, the Jews believe generally, even up until today, that Elijah would still come. Usually in Jewish tradition, 
when they have their Passover meal. They have a seat that is kept empty because they expect that Elijah can come at any time. So they have a seat kept empty for Elijah just in case he appears. So that's the tradition that they have, the thing that they believe. And um, to show that that tradition, that belief was not in vain, Jesus says to them that, yes, John, um, Elijah will come, but that John the Baptist was who? Was Elijah. The Elijah they were expecting had come in John the Baptist. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here. And how did he come in John the Baptist? He came because John the Baptist moved in the spirit and the power of who? Of Elijah. He dressed even like Elijah. So Jesus said, Elijah that you're expecting has come, and you have not even um, recognized him. He says, he that had ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you, ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, ye have not lamented. What Jesus is saying here simply is that the human being is a very difficult animal to please. He says that man, generally referring to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they were like children sitting in the market saying to, their, to other children, ah, we, we beat drums for you to dance. You didn't dance. We said, okay, let us even sing uh, sorrowful songs for you so that you will look sad. You didn't even look sad. What he was referring to was that when John the Baptist was on the face of the earth, because the Bible says he spent all his time in the wilderness and he ate only locust beans and wild honey and he was perpetually fasting. The people gathered together, the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, this guy has a devil. It is Satan that is moving this man. He said, God said, okay, fine. If that's your verdict on John the Baptist, no problem. When my son comes, I will make sure he doesn't fast like John the Baptist. Jesus Christ came was found in the homes of people because that's why he came. He came to seek that which was lost. And they said, ah, this man is always eating and drinking. In other words, Jesus was saying, you cannot satisfy these people. If somebody comes from God who fasts, they'll say he's fasting too much. If somebody who comes from God who eats, they say he's eating too much. But the key thing to note there is that this controversy that Jesus was bringing out is about what? It's about food. He's saying, when we say fast, you say the man has a devil. Okay, we say, let's eat. You say, he's a, he's, a, he's a glutton and a wine by by that is, he's a drunkard. He says, well, we cannot satisfy you people. Now, that means that there's something serious, and I'm going to give us all an exercise today, and God will help us all. There's something serious about eating and drinking. They called Jesus said, they are accusing me of being somebody who eats too much and who drinks too much. And he says that I really don't do those things. Now, Jesus is pointing out and bringing out the issue, the controversy over food. Everybody say food. It's amazing, but it is true that if I eat too much, I will go to hell. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me show you how the Bible puts food. It puts food side by side with lust and fornication. First Corinthians chapter 6, I want us all to read together. Verses 12 through to 15. 
Are we all there? One, two, go. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And the God had raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. It starts talking about meats for the belly, belly for the meats. It's talking about eating. Then immediately it brings in the issue of your body being the Lord's. And therefore the body is not for fornication. Remember what we talked about on Sunday. City of David, praise the Lord. So all those who want to be calling my name anyhow, you can go ahead. You have freedom. But the truth must be told. And we must live life according to the word of God. According to the word of God. I said something on Sunday which I want us all to try. Practice it. It helps you. Anything you do that you know is not right. The one way of stopping that thing is very simple. Just kneel down and tell the Lord, Lord, this thing, I won't do it again. Tell who? The Lord. Then you will begin to know whether you respect him or not. Because if you find yourself still doing those things, it means you don't respect God. So those of you who take bribes, just tell the Lord that never again in this office, this place I'm sitting, I will never take bribe. It's you I'm talking to, God. I will never take bribe. When they bring bribe, you will remember that you are promised who? God. Because if you keep taking it, even after you are promising, he will kill you one day. And God will help us all. So, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any meats for the belly, belly for the meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. So God places a lot of seriousness on the business of overeating. And he places overeating side by side with fornication and adultery. Which means that if I eat too much, I'm just as good as a person who commits fornication and adultery. How? I don't know. It's the word of God. Now, when one eats too much, that person will become obese. Everybody say obese. Yes. Obese is to be seriously overweight. And one of the things that has happened in the world today is that very, in the last two years, they found that children who eat too much all seem to be coming up with diabetes. And it's something that's been on the news for a while. They find little, little children... Diabetes is something that you, you find in adults. But today, it has crept in upon children. And it's all as a result of eating too much. And there are several illnesses that come up with eating too much. Diabetes, hypertension, and generally heart disease. In the developed world, being obese is a major issue. Particularly in America, the statistics say that 65% of Americans are obese. 
uh, overweight. It's such a, an issue that last time I was in the US, the various airlines are now saying that those people who are larger than normal, when they fly economy, they will pay for two seats. It's true. No, generally, the truth is, if you are bigger than normal, you pay a lot more for everything. You cannot buy a normal dress, so you go to the place where they sell for high and mighty, and you pay more. You pay more. So the airlines are now saying that some of those people are just, it's not fair for them to sit on one seat. Let them have two seats, and let them pay the price for two, two seats. 65% is a high number to be obese. Indeed, somebody recently in the U.S. took McDonald's to court, say it was McDonald's that was responsible for his size, <laughs> and he won the case. <laughs> what we need to understand, therefore, is that there's something really not right. Many times you find people who have a particular type of problem, and they are believing God for healing. And you don't get healing because some problems are not to be healed. There are problems that some of us have that all it takes is to just stop eating and you'll be okay. So you don't need to go for deliverance. Neither do you need to go for somebody to pray for you so that you are healed. You know, I told somebody the other day, talking about a particular ailment, I said, that is not a sickness. You know, so it's not a question of saying, I will believe God for the next Lazarus comfort and the problem will go. It's you control yourself. In fact, one of the things you find, the key thing about um, being a glutton is there's no self-control. None. And you can't be a Christian if you have no self-control. A 16th century poet said, gluttony kills more than the sword. That is, a lot more people die from just the things that they eat than somebody killing them or they meeting with an accident. In fact, I saw a program on BBC recently. This man was so big that they had to make a special contraption to carry him to the hospital. In fact, they are making special ambulances now in the UK to deal with people who are overweight because the ambulances that they have are for normal people. You will say, ah, that's not my problem. But you might not be overweight, but you are on the way to being overweight. If whenever you see people's food, you just can't help yourself. You don't even ask. You just put your hand and you begin to eat. Such a person, it's easy to poison a person like that. Very easy. But God will help us. Let me tell you a few things I found out when I was preparing this sermon on to be on the safe side. I'll just call it soft drinks. Everybody says soft drinks. So I'm not calling any particular brand. But they say that because of the amount of sugar that is inside soft drinks, that one of the things that happens is that the sugar activates bacteria and the bacteria attacks the enamel of the teeth. In other words, if you drink a lot of soft drinks, after a while, your teeth will begin to go, because you begin to, as it were, lose the enamel, which is the thing that makes your teeth, you know, nice and strong. They say that a can of soft drink, which is usually 12 ounces, contains 41 grams of sugar. 
and that is like four and a half teaspoons of sugar. And sugar, we've just started finding out, is very, very detrimental to health. During this period of rain and fasting, you know, we had one week extra with the geo. There was somebody I know very well who just stopped eating and was just living on Coke and Fanta and nearly died. He nearly died because his blood sugar just went up and he nearly went into a coma just from drinking Fanta and Coke. That's what he told me. That's the only time I'm calling the names of a, any brand. But I'm referring to soft drinks. They say that one can of a soft drink will give you two pounds of weight in a month. If you take one can in a day, just one day, and you don't take any, at the end of the month, you would have gained two pounds. So those of us who like to drink soft drinks excessively, let us be aware and be careful. Because these things don't help. And one of the things that happens is that it leads to all kinds of complications. And then you are believing God for healing here, there, and yonder. And the healing doesn't come because you are not really sick. Is that you have no self-control. There are some people who, who are here who just drink soft drink as if it's about to go out of fashion. In fact, when I found out all of these things about soft drinks, I said to myself, I think I will just promise God that I won't, I'm not done so yet. <laughs> because whenever I promise God, I really stick to it. So I will think twice and try and promise God that it's time to leave soft drinks alone. The truth of the matter is that occasional indulgence, everybody say occasional indulgence. Occasional indulgence is okay. That is that during Christmas, it's okay, as they say, to eat your heart out during New Year's Day and possibly maybe during Easter because we are happy that Jesus rose again. But some people eat as if it's Christmas every day. It's not okay. The last king of Saudi Arabia was so big that his knees couldn't carry his weight. So to go up one flight, they had to make special lifts for him. He was just too big for the knees, and the knees couldn't just carry his weight. Now, he doesn't need, he's dead now, he didn't need deliverance, he didn't need healing. All he needed was just stab him a little bit, if weight will drop, and the knees will be able to carry the weight. Can you imagine somebody being so big that the, the weight is too much for the knees? God will help us. Now, let me show you what Jesus really says. What, is, what has all this got to do with the spiritual realm? Turn with me to John chapter 4. You see, because if we don't make the connection, then it will just be a lecture on not eating. But let's see what Jesus himself has to say. John chapter 4. Let us read together verses 30 to 34. John chapter 4, verses 30 to 34. I want to now make a connection between what we eat and the spirit realm. One, two, go. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. What he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Had any man brought him ought to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. 
Now, this is the story of Jesus and his disciples. They've been ministering for a long time. They had no food. So Jesus sent off his disciples to go into the city to get food. When the disciples came with food, they said to Jesus, eat. But before they came back, Jesus had met the woman at the well and had told her about salvation. The woman had given her life and had gone to bring the whole village in. Now, all of that was going on when the disciples returned. When the disciples returned, they said to Jesus, we brought some food, have some food. And Jesus said he was not really interested in eating, that he had had something to eat. Listen carefully. And then they said, "Ah, did anybody bring any food here? Because they knew that nobody, they didn't see the signs of Jesus having ate anything. So they were a bit worried that he was giving them the impression that he had eaten And when they asked, Jesus now gives them the link between the physical and the spiritual. Because he says to them, my meat is to do the will. That is, my meat means my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, in speaking to that woman at the well, in bringing that woman into the kingdom, in the woman going out to bring the whole village, Jesus said that he had satisfied himself in terms of that work he had done, which was spiritual, had somehow taken away the desire to eat. In other words, there's a link between eating and the spiritual. Generally, generally, this is from experience. If you eat a lot, you can't really ever hear God. He will shout and shout, you will not hear. Why? I don't know. But let me show you how that is true. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Let me read from verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, Command that these stones be made bread. Satan knew that Jesus had spent 40 days without food and he was really in their need of food. He was hungry. So he said to him, Command these stones to be turned into bread. But he answered and said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Everybody say, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying here that the word of God is able to sustain you and I. That if we are going to spend time with God, then we can't spend time feasting as if every day we are Christmas. And remember that he had just finished 40 days during this short period of fasting, some people really nearly died. Just seven days without food, some people nearly died. Forty days without food, you can only do it by the grace of God. Because the human body is like a computer. You know, it will read the lack of food and it will begin to adjust itself. And it will adjust itself until the point where it will almost shut down. 
So Jesus is encouraging us and saying to us, listen, the thing that life, that holds life together, is not so much the food that we eat as much as God, the spiritual. So when Satan said, it's time to eat, he said, no, 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 it's not time to eat. Food is important, he says, but it's not that important that the spiritual, the word of God, the lack of food is more important than food itself. And I said today, we'll take, we'll have a short exercise. And that exercise is simply this. If we really want to move to yet another level in our Christian work, one of the things that we should do is find a day, one day in the week, on your own, not the church now, as far as you fast on your own. That is, you take one day. You can take any day in the week. I would suggest a Tuesday or a Thursday is good. And a Tuesday or a Thursday, and if you are really zealous, you can do Tuesday and Thursday. On those days, you just go without food because you are spending time with the Lord. And the truth of the matter is that there is a direct correlation between an empty stomach, hearing of God, a full stomach, and not hearing God. Once your stomach is full, you can't hear God. You can't. The moment it is empty, you can hear God better. That much I can tell you. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but that's really true. That's talking from experience. Now, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. One of the key things we learn to be a glutton is to be greedy. But this time, your greed is directed towards just food. And God says it is a sin. Why? Because it shows that you have no self-control. No self-control. And you and I must understand that we have to put the body under us. And the only way to put the body under is to punish it a little bit. And one thing the body does not like is that it should be deprived of food. Notice I'm not talking about drinking, but the truth is somebody who is a glutton doesn't just eat alone, also drinks. But some people say because they are Christians and they cannot drink, at least they should have the right to eat. But um, it doesn't work that way. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Let me show you what the Bible says about control. Philippians chapter 4, let us read verse 5 together. One, two, go. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Everybody say moderation. moderation. So the word of God says, let your moderation be known to all men. God, above everything else, wants that in our Christian work, that there's something called what? Moderation. The very opposite of moderation is excess. God does not want the Christian to live in the place of excess. He wants us to live in the place of moderation. Moderation, therefore, means that I have control over the things that I do. If I have no control over my temper, I will be what? Angry, easily. If I have no control over my flesh, and my flesh can get puffed up, I will be what? Very proud. If I have no control over what I see, then whenever I see somebody has something big and new that I don't have, envy will what? 
will rise. So you find that all these seven cardinal sins, they are all one, or the, one way or the other tied in with each other, each other. And the key is moderation. God wants moderation in all we do. There must be moderation in the food you eat. There must be moderation in the way you dress. There must be moderation in the way you even talk. Let your moderation be known to what? To all men. That moderation means control. There must be control. When I was working in Lintas, there was a place on this Victoria Island. In no time, the place became so famous. It was an open um, construction place. And there were some women who were cooking and selling food there. They became so popular because you, if you went there, you would see MDs, big people, sitting on benches, eating food that can make you die. And it was such big... I don't know how... I don't know what those people did, but the place was just extremely popular. I went there once. <laughs> when I saw the way the, people, the place was, I never went again because it was so unhealthy. But you see people rolling up their sleeves and just eating as if... <sighs> God will help us. Mm. So those of you, I'm sure there are still such places around. And some of us here go to them. There must be what? Control. Even when you go there, control yourself. Don't just behave like a villager. Control yourself. God wants to see control. In, if you have no control over that, you probably have no, have no control over your temper. You have no control over pride. You have no control over anything. And God says, I want control. Once there's control, you find that all these sins that we've mentioned will be put under. So say to your neighbor, please learn how to control yourself. You have to control yourself. It is very, very important. When there's no control, we have a problem. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read verse 27 together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read verse 27 together. One, two, it's on the screen. One, two, go. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. This is Paul speaking. He says, I keep under my body. In other words, I put my own body under subjection. You know, he says, so that I don't do this work and find myself a cast away. The Greek word that is translated cast away is adokinos. And it signifies a person that the judge rejects and saying, you are not worthy to have a crown. You are not worthy of the prize. So Paul is saying, I don't want to do this work. And at the end of the day, find that God says to me, sorry, you are not worthy to come to my kingdom. Why? Because you did not put your body under control. And one way to control your body is to control that which you see and eat and drink. Very important to God. And guess who is measuring all of that? God is. And the interesting thing about all of this is that once there's no control, that which I eat will eventually kill me. It will eventually kill me. So God does not want us not to do the work he has planned for us to do. 
He doesn't want you to commit suicide because you eat too much, because that's what will happen. And there's nobody, nobody, really and truly, who is big, who doesn't eat much. You can't say it's, it's, it's genes. It's not genes. Anybody you see who is big, just follow the person and check. That person eats a lot. That's all. It's food that makes you big. There was one of our pastors who was very big. He's back in Nigeria today. But he went on a strict diet. When I saw him, I passed by him. I didn't know it was him. Because even his head shrank. I never knew that the human head can reduce in size. It's true. His head reduced so much that he passed by me. I didn't know him. The only way I could recognize him was his voice. As he started talking, I said, ah, are you the same person? He said, yes. Ah, I said, what happened to you? You know, he looked, he was so small, unbelievable. I said, even your head is small. <laughs> you see, some of us think it's good, you know. The African thing is good to be, when people see you, expanding. They say, ah, you are looking well. <laughs> Anybody tells you you are looking well, it means that you are falling out of God's book. You are looking well for hell. Not well for heaven. You know, every one of us, when we get back home, stand in front of a mirror and look at your head and imagine that that head can shrink because it can. It really can. And if you want to hear God, Jesus Christ did not do anything until after he had fasted for how many days? For 40 days. I'm not asking you to fast for 40 days. Many will die. But find one day or two days in the week that you give to God and say, on these two days, it's just me and God. I'm not going to eat. And you find that you are calmer and a lot of things that people want to throw at you will not come your way. You avoid them. And because of the fact because of the fact that doors are opening. There are many doors that are open right now. And if you are going to walk through those doors, you can't walk through. Some of those doors are for normal-sized people. If you are too big, you can't walk through those doors. Doors are opening. We need more than ever before to enter. This is not when the church says fast. To enter into our own place of fasting and praying. Those doors that are opening before you, don't just walk through them. Walk through them praying and fasting and see what God will do. So what God wants us all to do today is to control ourselves. If you control yourself in the area of eating, you will find it is not that difficult to control yourself in the area of your temper. You will find that it's not that difficult to control yourself even so in the area of envy. In all the areas we have looked at, what is missing in life is control. We must control ourselves. And in this church, we will control ourselves. Because once you do so, the rest really becomes easy. And that's why God says, let your moderation be known to all men. Moderation in the way you dress, moderation in the way you speak, everything God wants it tempered. He doesn't want it just wild. Do you understand? So I want us as one of the things I want us all to do today is as we pray I want you to tell God that I will give one day and that day, tell him the day. Let your day of fasting not be 
like in Nigeria, a moving goalpost. It's Monday today, next week is Tuesday, the next week, that's not the way to do it. There's no control there. It means anything goes. Control is that if I say it's Monday, Monday it will be. And then you find that a lot of problems will come on Monday that will make you want to eat. But then you say, no, it is Monday. But if it's any day, so you find, find that you start, you say, okay, I'll do it on Monday. Monday fails. You say Tuesday. Tuesday fails. Before you know what's happening, you're back at another Monday and you haven't done anything. Take one day today. Tell God about that day. If you want to do two days, tell him about those. Two, and then you stay there. Nothing shifts you out of that place because you have told God so. Do you understand? And those of us who drink a lot of soft drinks, today's the day to tell God that it should help you to cut down by half the amount of soft drinks that you consume. Those things are really not in your interest or my interest. And God will help us. Let's bow our heads and speak to the Lord today. Talk to him and make him a promise.